That's right. Okay. So we're going to be in, in Nehemiah chapter 8 today, lesson 9, and I titled this series that I'm going through, The Jerusalem Project. And so again, it's, it's the, the first six chapters of Nehemiah, you know, is really talking about him going back to Jerusalem and they, and he's getting the wall rebuilt. But in chapter 7 through 13, it's really the reconstruction of the people. And so, uh, you know, before, before, uh, uh, the people had been in Babylon for 70 years and then under Zerubbabel they come back. And then there's another wave comes back under Ezra, and then just a small wave comes back under Nehemiah. And so basically, you know, he's going back to try to get things in order. Well, as, well, when they got back with under Zerubbabel, everything didn't get done the way it needed to get done. So then God brought Ezra in. Ezra reinstated the priests, the Levites, and he got them up to speed. And then they needed another guy come in to kind of help get everything put together. And I call that guy, that guy is Nehemiah. And so before this had happened, I just drew a circle on the map. And the people uh, were uh, following God. Let's just say... And they're just like us. People are people. And, and things go in cycles. Churches go in cycles, countries go in cycles, we go in cycles. And so everything's good, you're following God, and then you start to slip. You start, you know, getting away from God a little bit, and and then the next thing that happens, you're just, when you get to, down to the bottom of the list, you're just AWOL. You're totally away from where God wants you to be at. And then the next step that usually happens, if people are paying attention, they repent They get back to following God again. Well, the nation of Israel does this over and over in the Old Testament. And before they get to this point, they had been following God. They had started slipping all the way till God took them to Babylon to punish them. He brings them back. They, they repent. And they're on their way back to following God. But you know what they need to know? They need to have some what I call Bible in here. They got to know the law, because these people that that are here, they didn't know what God wanted them to do. They didn't know the law, because they'd been outside of God's will for a while. And so the same thing happens in our life. We usually where everything's going good, our relationship with God is good, and then the next thing you know, we start slipping a little bit. And then if we we don't correct that, we are totally away from God. I remember once my wife. It seemed like everything was just going to pieces. And my wife, my wife told me, and I still remember this. She goes, "When's the last time you read your Bible?" And I'm like, "Oh man, that hit, that cut." It had been like two weeks, and I mean, I, I was too busy. I had things I had to do, you know. Uh, but I'm like, "Okay, I got to get back here. So I got to, I got to do a First John one nine and get back." And so, but we do that. But the country of Israel has done that over and over. And so, they had been following God, they slipped, they went, and they repent, and they got to get back to God's Word so they can get back to following Him. And that's where we are in the book of Nehemiah. That's where the Jews are right here. So, things are getting put back together, but they're not quite there till Nehemiah shows up. He gets the wall built, the people get rejuvenated again, 
And then they're like, they get back on fire. Okay, we've got, we've been away from God. We have got to get back and follow what God tells us to do. The problem is, they don't have a Bible in their hand like we do. So they had to go back to the priests and, and the Levites. And, and basically, worship needs to be reinstated. And so in your handout there, the first thing you see is worship is in it. In fact, you have a blank under number one. Worship goes in that blank. Okay? So, we've already seen the walls built, the servants have been appointed, bloodlines have been checked, the giving is recorded, and everyone has returned to their home and their cities at the end of chapter 7. And so, in fact, let's read that. Chapter uh, 7, verse uh, 73 says, So the priests and the Levites and the porters and the singers and some of the people and the Nethanims and all Israel dwelt in their cities. And when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Now, a week ago, I made a big... I tried to make an effort that there's God's trying to tell us something with the timing here. The seventh month is important to the Jews. It's important to God because in the seventh month are three feasts. And we'll talk about them a little bit later on. But it's just interesting. It just so happened to fall on that month. Do you think that's a, a circumstance? No. Everything was set up to get to this point. And God just illustrated and got it to work out that way. And so, uh, everyone had got back into their cities. The wall had been built. Everybody had went back to their homes, whether they lived in Jerusalem or other cities. And things were ready to start. And that's where we're going to start in chapter 8. So I want to read chapter 8, 1 through 8, and then we'll back up and break down what we can find. And so all the people, verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man and to the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with the understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So here we see that seventh month coming out again. Verse 3, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood up or stood upon a pulpit of wood. And that's where we get pulpits today even though the pulpit here is the stage. So biblically, it's the stage, not the, not this part. Okay, probably because Ezra was probably a short little guy my size, and so they needed to see him. Okay, and Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah on the right hand. I don't know why I get all these names. I'm going to point someone in this class to read the names from now on. I'm looking around. I won't. I won't do that. And on the left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book 
in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. He's on the platform. And when he opened it, all the, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah and Jamin and Achab, Shabbatai, Hadijah, Mesaliah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and God gave and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So, in that passage right there is the best, uh, uh, what do I want to say, the best explanation, the best uh, definition of what preaching is. Right here. And that's where we get a lot of our services, how we do things in our service today is even from this passage. And so I, I remember of a story of, of a pastor that had taken on a, a new church and he had been preaching there for about, and I've, I've told you this before, just forgive me, I'm getting to be old. And uh, uh, so he'd been there three or four weeks and was preaching after a service and one of the deacons came up and said, I have a problem with you, pastor. And he goes, okay, well, meet me afterwards and we'll discuss it. So they discussed it and he says, what's your problem? And he goes, well, you, you're not preaching. And the pastor goes, what do you mean I'm not preaching? He goes, all you do is open up the Bible and read it and then you explain it. (laughs) And he goes, well, I don't know what you think preaching is, but that's preaching. Okay, and yet we've been in services where a guy may open the book up and he'll say something and next thing you know, he's off on some tangent. I think we've probably all been there. And so, and hopefully I don't do that, but I probably, you know... I gotta watch my illustrations and things. He's like, what does this book say? And, and, I mean, and not what I think it says, and not what I want to add to it. We need to preach what God's Word says, and then let God work things out. And so, but here we see, uh, we see a really good example of, of preaching right here. And so, uh, but what I want to point out here is that worship is initiated. Yes, you had something, Sharon. It says men and women and those that could understand. That must be the children who could understand. And he doesn't specify, you know, age. He just specifies that they could understand what was being read and said. Right. And, you know, uh, even in our churches today, a lot of times we have services for the kids, uh, apart from the main service. And of course, they need their Sunday school classes just like the adults, just like this class, Adult Bible Hour. And yet, we have we have times, uh, they usually have a children's church during the main service. But I've been in churches, and I've heard people say, well, small children just can't get anything out of the main preaching. And to, you know what I say to with that? I understand why we do it, and I'm glad we do it, because they need to have special attention. But there are times when the children need to be sitting in on the main preaching. And I will give you an example. This wasn't in my notes. I was preaching once and I asked, a, and I like to ask questions. And so I was at a church, I'm asking, I asked a question, a four-year-old, but was coloring in her book, 
turned around with her back towards me, turned around and answered me. And I'm like, um, if that little girl could get a question that I ask, she's paying attention, number one. I didn't think she was even listening. And yet, she turned around and answered me out of the whole church. I mean, it was a small church congregation. But I thought, that was a really good point because I'm like, this this girl was a pistol anyway, but she, she turned around and she knew the answer. That's the same little girl that was up on the stage and at one point and we asked her what the three gifts that Jesus, it was Christmas season, we asked her the three gifts that the, the wise men brought and her answer was gold, Frankenstein, and iron. <laughs> so the whole church was laughing about that. But yeah, she knew the answer, but unfortunately that one was wrong. She answered me right. But the point is, you're right. Everybody needs to be... They didn't have a children's service, so what do you need to do with the children? Bring them with you. Okay? So, good point. So, number one, worship is initiated here in this passage. And and it is a group, and it's a mixed group. It's men, women, children, probably of all ages. Okay, so worship is initiated here. Up until this point, they hadn't met. They were building the wall. They were doing other things. And yet now... Uh, Worship is initiated, but what I want to point out here on your handout, uh, number one, it was initiated by the people. Verse one says, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Azra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded to Israel. So it'd be like everybody showing up at the main service and say, Brian, open up the book. Bring out the book. We want to hear what the book says. And that's what they're... I mean, so the people had a desire to hear God's Word. And so, um, uh, you have a few bullet points there on your handout. Number one, the people knew the place to go. They, they, they all met from their cities back in Jerusalem. And why was that? Well, number one, the priests and the Levites were there. The temple was there. The people knew who to go to. They went directly to Ezra. And we haven't seen Ezra in the book of Nehemiah so far. This is the first time we see him. So they, And he's the priest. And they go to him. And then people knew the time to go because it was the first day of the seventh month. And the people were willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice goes in your blank in order to worship. And you go, wait a minute, Bob. What are you talking about sacrifice? Well, how long did they stay there? From morning till midday. How many hours do you think that was? Anywhere from four to six hours. You know, that's a long church service. And the people were willing to stay and listen to that because why? They were hungry for the Word. They wanted to know what the Bible said or the Old Testament said. Now, I remember going to churches, and I remember when Carrie and I first got into churches, we went up to a church camp after working all day, and it was in St. Joe, I believe, wasn't it, Carrie? We went up there and we heard two guys preach, and we got home at two in the morning, and I was happy, because we heard, we really got a word from God. So if you're hungry for the word of God, you don't care how long it takes. You know, a lot of times, and I've also been on the flip side of that, and they're like, well, preacher, you talk too long. 
you need to qu- you need to be quiet and get us out of here because we got to get home and eat lunch. You know, I've been on both sides, but if you're really hungry for the Word of God, you'll sit and listen to it. That's why Brian sometimes goes over once in a great while. He might go over, doesn't he? Once in a great while, he might quit. Yes, I know. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Beverly goes, it was a miracle happened at church. You were early and so was Brian. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Well, you got a lot of good things to say and you're like, you want to get them out there. And it's like, and most of the time, as long as it's good, I don't care. And the people don't. And so the people are willing to sacrifice their time in order to worship. And another thing I wanted to point out, out here was the people were united. You know, trying to get a group of people together to come together and do anything, it's like, you know, it's like putting cats in a bag. It's just, cause you've always got people that are, they're not, they're not on the group. And yet this group here anyway, are united. They come together, the people do. And because they were rejuvenated, I believe, because the wall had been built. Ezra was already there. Nehemiah is here. Things seemed to be hopping. And they knew that God was in it because they knew God was in building the wall. And they're like, hey, this thing is, is, has some momentum. we got to get back. we got to serve God because we know He's here and He's a part of this. And they wanted to be involved. They were rejuvenated. And they were ready to get started learning God's Word. You know, kind of like a new believer. You know, the first time... Or, first time. The, the, when you got saved... You probably couldn't get enough Bible. You couldn't get enough. You were excited about it. That's where the, these people are. They'd been in Babylon for 70 years. They came back in the land. Even though they'd been in the land for a long time, things just hadn't got back the way they needed to be. And now they're kind of like, I think it's Michael W. Smith that has the song, We're Getting Back to the Heart of Worship. Remember that song? These people are in that in that mode. They're like, okay, we're getting back to worship here. And so worship was initiated by the people that we saw in verse 1, but it's also initiated by God's men. So your handout has three groups here. It has Ezra. Now, Ezra was the the priest, and not only that, he was the scribe. He was the scribe that, you know, helped put the Old Testament together, actually helped to get it revamped after they came back from Babylon. But not only that, he was involved in making sure the other priests and the Levites were up to speed because they needed to know the Bible. They needed to know what the law said. They needed to be back and getting ready for service. They needed to have things put in order. And Ezra was the guy that got that done. And so you got Ezra and you got the priest. And there are two lists here. And I was, I was pulling my hair out this week trying to figure out why these two lists. And the only thing I can come up with, because I went back and I looked at the, you know, their bloodline and where they were from, and what I came up with, the first list were priests. The second list, and see that first list was in verse, uh, verse four. The second list in verse seven were priests that were also scribes. So not only were they priests, they were also, one of their jobs was to write the law or to copy the law, to make copies of it. And so they were scribes, just like Ezra. Ezra was a ready scribe. Okay? And so you've got Ezra and you've got the priest and then you've got the Levites. And so really, what was the Levites' job in the Old Testament? Can anybody tell me? We know what the priest the priest's job was, but what was the Levites' job? 
care of everything that was going on in the temple. Okay, they took care of the service of the temple. So what was the priest's job? To present the service. To, to, to head over the service, basically. So, uh, so Ezra was a priest, and then there's some other priests. And so the priests were all from the Levite, from the Levites. So every priest was a Levite, but not all the Levites were priests. So the particular priests were, were, um, that's the descendants of Aaron, but Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. So his sons, God set up to be the priest, but the rest of the Levites were, like you said, to do the service, to do the rest of the work, to basically help out and, and get the service going. And so you got these groups here, but I want to also point out that the Levites in this group, along with the priests, were involved in teaching the law to the people. And so you go back to the law, you go back to the Ten Commandments, you go back to everything in the Old Testament, it was the priests and the Levites' job to teach. Okay? So basically we got, we got three sets of preachers up here on the pulpit. We got the priest, we got the priests that were also scribes, and we got the Levites. And maybe not all of them were up on the stage, but that was the three groups that was on the stage. And so even the Levites were to help teach the Old Testament. So you go, okay, show me, Bob. So turn over to Deuteronomy 27 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 27, 9. I'm going to have somebody read that for me when you get there. Anybody got it? Okay. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord. Okay, so that was just one instance that I threw out because it wasn't that the priests were over, you know, the higher class than the rest of the Levites. They just had a different job. So don't downplay the Levites. Well, they're just servants. You know, they're just a janitor at the tabernacle. No, they had important jobs. And yet it was all of their job the, the priest and the Levites to teach the people. And that's the way we see them uh, intertwined with, with the priest here in this passage. So the priests were from the tribe of Levi. They were Levites. Uh, they were specifically from Aaron. And yet, both of them, the priest and the Levites, their job was to serve in the temple, or the tabernacle, and then later the temple. And they were what we forget a lot of times was they were not just to do things ceremonially, they were supposed to also teach the people. Now we have things like that today. We call that Wednesday night. We have, we call that D1, D2. It's, it's teaching the Bible to other people. And so, uh, and in fact, today as, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're, you're a born again Christian, the Bible calls us priests. And so in, in 1 Peter 2.9, we are, we are called priests and we have a royal family. 
We're in the royal bloodline of Christ. And so that's our job. That's all of our jobs. Not just to show up at church, but also teach the Bible to people. And preach the Bible to people. It's just not the pastor's job. It's all of our job to teach God's Word. You know, when you're at home and you have children, teach them the Bible. You know, if you're in a teaching a, a, a children's class, teach them the Bible. It doesn't make any difference. Our job is to teach the Word of God to the people around us, small and, and large. So, worship was initiated by the people, but also by Ezra and the Levites and all the rest of the priests. And then on, on your handout, it says it was initiated by God's Word. So, the Word, the book of the law was read... And then the word was given, I think you have a blank there in that bullet point under C. The word was given a true sense. True goes in your blank. Not what the reader wants to say. Not something that's twisted. What does the book say? Okay. And so it was given a true sense. And we know God's word is what? It's true. Okay. I'm talking to the choir. I'm sorry. And then the word was given understanding. So they would get up and they would read the passage. They read it truthfully. And then they would make help the people to understand what it says. Okay? And you hear a lot of people go, uh, well, this is what it means. That's not what we need to do. We need to, we need to describe what it says. Because that's keeping it right back where the rubber meets the road. So worship is initiated. So what's going on here is a worship service. And yet, we don't see any singing in this worship service. You don't have to have singing. You know, I think a lot of things people think, well, the worship service, the worship part is when we sing. Well, you're partially correct. That is true, but that's not all of it. It's it's everything. It's from the singing to the praying to the preaching. It's all worship. Okay? And so what we have here is not only is uh, expository preaching or preaching defined, we're having a worship service going on. And yet we also know that God uses singing in worship too. So uh, it's there also. So number two, and we see the order of the worship service. Number one, the book is opened. Okay? The people stood. Do you ever wonder where Brian gets that once in a while? He has us all stand when we read the Bible? Right here. That's where he gets it from. And so, the book was open. The people stood. What happened next, if you're paying attention? Let's see if we go down. Um, verse 6. Let's look at verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord. He prays. So he gets up, he prays, and a prayer is given, and the people, what did they do? In, in the, I don't know how to spell amen. Did I do that right, Sharon? Uh, number 4 under uh, Roman number 2. The people amen the prayer. And that's where we get our amen in our service today. Right here as an example. And what does amen mean? So be it. So be it. I believe, um, so be it. Um, you could add to that, I guess, but that's pretty well it. So be it. That's truthful. I agree. All of those things. Okay? And so the people amen the prayer. 
And then the people, number five, lifted up their hands to heaven and then they also bowed their heads. Okay. So I think they may have went farther and even got down on their knees and put their hands down. Okay. So that's just what they did here. Okay. So we kind of see the order of the worship service. And then number three, we see preaching was instilled. And what I want to mean by that was number one, they read in the book distinctly. And the Bible says that specifically, verse eight. So they read in the book. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Verse 7 is, is a group of priests. And then we got some Levites in there. Uh, and so they read in the book, verse 8, in the law of God, in the book, in the law of God, distinctly. And then they caused them to understand the reading. Again, read the Bible, explain what it said. Okay? And so they read it distinctly. Now what's that mean? Clearly, they read it in a way not like I was reading the names a minute ago. That was just pretty bad. Okay. Okay, that's true. But but they read it so everybody could distinctly hear what they said. They must have put the old people up front because I would be okay. Well, you know what? What can you imagine? Because they don't have sound system. They you know they're just speaking, and I'm like. I'd want to be up front, you know, so I could hear real good. But they they read the book distinctly or clearly. And I know this is pretty simple stuff, guys. This is basic stuff. Number two, they gave the sense truthfully. They didn't add or subtract from it. And again, I said, that's that's another thing I think a lot of preachers seem to do. They They start putting their stuff in. No... They gave the sense of what the word said. And number three, they caused the people to, you have a blank, understand. So they, they read the book distinctly, they gave the sense, and they wanted the people to understand or comprehend what they said. And why, why, why was this? Why is that little recipe here for preaching done? Because the people want to hear and understand what God's Word says and how it applies to them, and yet God wants them to know that. So being a preacher or, or teacher, you have some responsibility. You're communicating God's Word to people, and we need to do it correctly. Okay? And so they cause the people to understand or comprehend or discern. Okay? So, this is pretty good for me because I, I was kind of going through this today and I'm like, you know, I need to express what God is saying and not all my funny jokes that I say. Because some of my jokes are not that funny, are they? You're supposed to say, yes, they are. but <laughs> uh, You're just not here to hear my stories because my stories are not that good all the time. But so, preaching is instilled here. And so if we would just, all of us, when we teach the Bible, when, when we're up preaching somewhere, when, when uh, uh, you're trying to communicate God's Word, this is a really good pattern to go through. And number one, th- and that is true worship. When we open God's Word up, we see what it says, and then the next thing is 
we want to do it and add it to our life. And so I want to stop there. So I'll be done twice this year before time. I'm, so you guys can get a good seat. I think the best definition of worship that I've heard was Jason McGuire's preaching at one time on, you know, worship. And Abraham worshiped when he obediently took his son Isaac to be sacrificed. The real sense of worship is to be obedient to what God tells you to do. No, you're right. So, so we need to think about what does worship mean? Does that mean coming to church? Is that where we worship? That's true. Does it only mean when we sing, we sing? That's a worship? That's true, but it's not all of it. Is it only worship when we, when the preacher preaches? Well, it's worship, but it's not all of it. And then I think you added it. It's, it's really worship when we live it. So our whole life needs to be a worship service. And if we would just think about that, I probably wouldn't make all this silly little goofy mistakes I do or spend time on things I shouldn't. I need to realize my whole life, our whole life needs to be a worship service because we're going to give an account of it. Number one, that should kind of somewhat scare us. But at the same time, we should desire that in our life. And so, uh, great point. Thank you for bringing that out. So, uh, I'm going to stop right there for today and uh, we'll continue on. Uh, we'll follow that uh, the rest of this chapter. I'm going to deal more with the the time again. We're in, we're in the month, the seventh month, and so those feasts are going to pop up here. And they are important. And that's why... God's laying it out before we ever get there. And we haven't even got to that point, but we will here next week or the next time we come and meet, which will be in a few weeks. It'll be next year. It'll be next year. Wow, we're already already there. But uh, we'll see the importance of why the seventh month. And we'll break that down and go from there. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of like God built... the. Uh, a lot of his worship around the feast because he knows we like to eat. And then we connect that. And there's one thing that really, that has held the Jewish people together even till today. And you know what it is? It's the feast. They don't even know what they're for, but they still celebrate them. Isn't that amazing? But, you know, it's kind of like, well, we, you know, Kind of like us, you know, we're having a potluck. Yeah, we're going to be there, brother. I'm like, well, what are you meeting for? Potluck. <laughs> Before long, it's just the potluck, you know. I'm here for the chicken. Uh, and the Jewish people are still kind of that way. They're like, they show up for the feast, but they don't know the book, which is kind of sad. And yet, yeah, so that has been one thing that's kind of held the Jewish group together. It's just the feast, even though they, they know they're supposed to meet, they just don't know why. Which is kind of sad because God laid it all out for him. So let's pray and we'll get out here. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the book of Nehemiah. Thank you for the lessons in it. Specifically here, Lord, uh, uh, basically what, what a worship service is, how it starts, how preaching is, and what preaching is all about, Lord. And I pray that, that all of us, whether we, we're preachers, we're all preachers, but I just pray that we would follow this pattern that we would show, uh, teach people the Bible, that we would uh, not only teach them 
your word, but that we would live it out. And I, I just, uh, I just thank you for this illustration that we have. I pray you give us a good day today, and I pray that you give us a good holiday season and help us to uh, glorify you and, and edify other people and build them up and share the gospel with them, Lord. And we pray we see fruit from that. And we ask all this today in Christ's name. Amen. All right.